Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. At your limo van last night, I said, man, I, you know, he easily could have just said, man, I'm, I'm not coming. So um, one thing about you, you're a tough, tough, uh, tough dude and appreciate you being here. Now, it's not your first time to Arkansas because I saw you, uh, my good buddy, John Daly, who I think we've got a picture of you and John, that this, this was not at the event. But you came in. I was down in Tennessee, I believe. <laughs> you came in to play at John's golf tournament. And the thing I remember is that both of you were barefoot. And so uh, John never minds being barefoot. And you sort of like playing golf barefoot, right? I love playing barefoot. Yeah, I don't, I don't do shoes real well. I, you know, after all those years of cleats and fat guys stepping on my feet, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I try to stay. I, I, I live in Arizona now, so flip-flops and, or barefoot is the way to go for me. So, you know, John Daly, uh, I told Jim, I went to school with John. John and I are classmates. And uh, it's great to have John last year with John Gruden. You know, he's good buddies with John. So I called, I called J.D. yesterday on the way back from the Texas A&M game and just said, hey, we got uh, Jim McMahon. I know you're buddies with Jim. I said, uh, why don't you send me a video uh, and, and talk about Jim? Well, I think he got a little confused. And so he decided to just tell me how good Jim was going to be number one, and then he decided to talk about the Razorback football team. So this is about 30 seconds. We had to bleep, we had to bleep one thing out, but this is, uh, this is, I said, John, you mind if we use this? I, and he go, oh, yeah. So here we go. This is John Daly talking about his buddy Jim McMahon. Hey, Maz, you are going to love Jim McMahon. He is the greatest dude. Um, he's got some hell of a stories and um, one of the toughest quarterbacks I've ever seen and one of my best friends. So good luck with him tomorrow. You'll love him. He's the best. And um, he'll make you laugh. Sorry about the game yesterday. We need a new offensive coordinator, as we all know. But uh, <laughs> you don't love him, buddy. See you. <laughs> That's our boy Johnny. <laughs> you know, JD's going to call it the way he sees it. So uh, uh, he's great. Obviously, he's, a, he's, a, he's like you. He, he sort of does it his way, and he, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. I had a great time when uh, – his, uh, is it Dardanelle? Is that where he lives? Dardanelle, yeah. Dardanelle, yeah. yeah. I spent, uh, I think it was three or four days at his place, and it was pretty epic. It was, uh, <laughs> John, he, he loves to have a good time, and so do I, so it was uh, a lot of fun. It's a match made in heaven. Uh, and I mentioned you've been very busy. You had an event, I think, this weekend, and I saw uh, you did something a few weeks ago uh, over at Wrigley, and I just want to make sure, for those who didn't see it, let's take a look at what, what you did at Wrigley Field the other day. Former Chicago Bears quarterback and Super Bowl 20 champion, Jim McMahon. Hey, all you Bear and Cup fans, this is my grandson Walker's favorite songs. Here I had to mention that was my, my grandson's one, birthday the other day, too. A two, a three. got to work on my tune there, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's pretty good. I've done this a few times at Wrigley, so it's... It was a lot funner when Harry Carey was alive. <laughs> We'd be hammered by the seventh inning. <laughs> Throws a, throws a souvenir out to the crowd. 
Somebody got a signed hat. Yeah, and I figured you've done that several times. You said four or five times you've done that before? Yeah, yeah. I usually get to throw out the first pitch, but I can't even do that anymore. So, so what, what was it? Any fun stories with Harry Carey uh, hanging around him at all? Oh, Harry was he was a classic. Yeah, it was fun fun being around Harry. He, the stuff he got the he got away with on the air was amazing. <laughs> well, you know, Chicago is such a unique town. I, I've I've heard you talk about it. You, you got the Bears, you got the Bulls, you got the Cubs, you got the White, White Sox, Sox. But you've always said it's Blackhawks. Blackhawks. Yeah. But it's clear to you what what that town is. Oh, it's definitely a bear town. There's no doubt about it. It's. Uh, you know the Bulls won six championships back in the '90s, and it was great for the city. But nobody, nobody really cares. I mean, it's a, <laughs> they live and die with their bears, and uh, unfortunately, they've died a lot in the last 40 years. It's been a, it's been a pretty dry spell for them. Um, do you want to go back for those I mentioned? You started at BYU, uh, and uh, a lot of people are surprised to hear, because of your personality, that you attended BYU. And I asked you. Under the I was surprised. <laughs> I asked you during. I didn't want to go. <laughs> I asked you earlier this morning. I said, uh, "Play for the great Lavelle Edwards," and I said, uh, "Did you take your two-year missionary trip that uh, most BYU players take as part of their commitment to the Mormon religion?" And you said, "No, only the guys that can't play go on those missions." <laughs> uh, if you notice. Yeah, if you notice their long line of, you know, they've had a pretty good string of quarterbacks, and uh, if you notice, none of those guys have gone on missions. <laughs> it's the guys that really have, are, are struggling and can't really play. They figure they can leave for two years and come back, and then it's usually even worse. So, uh, no, I didn't have to do that. I'm, I'm not LDS myself. Uh, I grew up in California. I grew up with the brothers and the Mexicans. So I didn't. I never even knew what a Mormon was. Uh, but I did. I moved. I moved up there. My dad's job moved him when I was a junior in high school. So I did play two years of high school ball there. So I got a, a little feel for the for the state. Uh, but it was not. It was not what college life is supposed to be like. That's for sure. Uh, so so the number that just blows me away, Jim. Uh, when all was said and done, when Jim McMahon left BYU, he didn't set five records. NCAA records, didn't set 10, didn't set 20, didn't set 30, didn't set 50. You set 70 NCAA records by the time you left. That's a, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, we got to throw the ball a little bit back then. When I get, then I go to Chicago, I get to hand it off every day. <laughs> uh, it was so, kind of boring. So one of the guys I was going to show you, your, your head coach, Lavelle Edwards, uh, you talk about the, and you were mentioning all the great coaches he brought in. Norm Chow, who run the Burles Award, and others. But what a what a passing institution that became with all the great quarterbacks that have played there. Well, Lavelle knew at the time that uh, in order to get national recognition, he had to do something special because uh, BYU was having you know trouble recruiting, and uh, so he he decided he was going to start throwing the football. You know, putting a lot of points on the board and. And uh, it's it's a lot more exciting, you know, when the when the bulbs are flashing on the scoreboard all the time than just, you know, watching a soccer game. I mean, uh, yeah, he loved he loved to throw the ball. And, and what what was great about Lavelle is he hired coaches, but he kept this the same uh, nucleus of the offense always was the same. And uh, he just let his guys coach, but we we're always going to throw the ball. And uh, he got them on the map and. It, 
you know, we were finally able to win him a bowl game back in 1980. You know, he'd been to a few and didn't have very good success, and, and I don't know how we won that game that night, but uh, we were finally able to win one for him. Unbelievable comeback against SMU, who uh, had a young Eric Dickerson and Craig James. The best money, best team money could buy That's back right. Then. It was uh, NIL before there was NIL, right? Uh, there was uh, – they had quite – I think they had eight first-rounders on that team. Yeah, were, I mean, yeah, we played against special. them too. Yeah, it was impressive. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to show, by the way, I told you, Jim doesn't pay attention to football like he used to. So I let him know, hey, we went to BYU last year, m one of the most beautiful stadiums I've ever seen. We win. and have Robbie Bosco last year. You know, Robbie's a great guy, super oh, yeah. nice guy, class guy. And then uh, BYU comes to Arkansas this year, and you get you a win. You know, I hope you're happy about that. You know, it's uh, – well, I heard about it. Yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> um, but I thought this was interesting. If you go back and look – um, you're different in every way. And I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback, when you were in college, you wore this face mask. So I want to say, what's what's the story behind that? That looks like almost like a defensive, you know, lineman uh, face mask. Sometimes uh, quarterbacks back in the day wore one bar, but you, you have multiple bars there. Well, I had, I started out with a, well, a two-bar face mask, and uh, I got my chin split open. The first, the, uh, first scrimmage we had, I got a, got a hand, something hit me in the chin, split it open. Uh, so I had stitches for about a week, got them out. The very next week, same thing, scrimmage happened. and got hit in the chin again, busted it open again. So I went to the, the further bar down here, and then I was able to catch catch more hands than I caught. And you wore that the rest of your career? Yeah, I just kept it because it just keeps keeps people out of your, out of your neck. Yeah. So they're always trying to grab your neck and rip your damn throat out. So. <laughs> Yeah, the they, game had a, was, they had a tougher time doing that with that with that bar down there. And the game was the game was different back then in terms of what they allow oh, for. Yeah, they could take two or three steps and still drill you in the head. So, yeah. um, you you were drafted. I don't know if you guys know he was the fifth overall pick in the NFL draft. Fifth. Uh, you go to the Bears, and I heard a story that uh, uh, you know I, 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 I guess it was the owner. You can, you can let me know the contract issue that they had. They pretty much. Gave you a contract and said you're supposed to sign it, and you you decided to respond in what way and what happened. Well, I had just gotten drafted, right? I was supposed to be drafted on in the fourth pick by the Baltimore Colts. Uh, all the indications were I was going to go to Baltimore. Um, I'd been back there a couple of times, had dinner and lunch with Johnny Unitas at his restaurant. He was telling me all about the city, uh, but I've I'd forgotten. I told my agent I didn't really want to be in Baltimore, and so when draft day came, I was just sitting at home. It wasn't like we were all back in New York like they do now. Uh, so I'm just sitting there with my family, and and Pete Rosell got up and said, with the fourth pick, the Colts select quarterback, so I'm thinking it's going to be me. And he said, Arch Leister, Ohio State. And I'm like, oh, wow. And then my phone rang right away. It was my agent. And he said, what would you think? And I go, what happened? I go, you know, who did I piss off in Baltimore? And he said, well, you told me you didn't want to play there. And I said, well, yeah, I didn't. He said, I told them that not to draft you because they couldn't even sign. I think it was Curtis Dickey that they had at the time, their running back. So they couldn't sign him. So I told them, don't, don't even bother drafting you. So I had no idea who was picking next. It happened to be Chicago. So uh, they called, and I, I said, they said, can you come to, come to town? I said, sure. So I got on a plane, uh, took a three-hour flight. And then they picked me up. Limousine had some beer in it, right? So I had... It wasn't like I was 18. I was 22 years old. And so I had a couple of pops, and I wasn't even thinking about the press, right? So we pull up we pull up to Hallis Hall, and there was still a couple of beers I left on the string, so I grabbed those with me. 
and I got out of the car and just woof. I'm like, oh boy. And so uh, Mike Dicka, who was actually, it was his first year as head coach as well. He happened to be walking in the building and, and he looked at me and said, so you're my first round pick, huh? And I said, I guess so. And so now I go in and um, I got to meet with George Hallis, Papa Bear Hallis, the starter of the National Football League. And so uh, I'm sitting there in front of his secretary for literally about an hour, just sitting there, just looking at her, looking at the walls. And, and I had a couple of friends on the team. Kenny Marjoram was the wide receiver. Keith Van Horn was an offensive tackle. And I, know those, I knew those guys from some All-America teams that I'd been on uh, the previous year. And so they they were in town. They wanted to take me out, and they said, they're like, "Come on, let's go." And so I'm, I was excited to go out on the town in Chicago, and and I'm sitting there looking at this secretary. Finally, I just said, "Hey, what's what am I waiting for?" And she said, "Well, Mr. Hallis would like to speak to you." And I said, "That's fine. When is that going to happen? What's he doing?" <laughs> oh, well, he's taking a nap. I'm like, I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I said, "Wake his old ass up. I got things to do." And so. She goes in, wakes him up, so I walk in, and he's already, he's got a contract for me already. I'd just been drafted four or five hours ago, right? And the first thing out of his mouth, well, I hadn't even sat down at the desk yet, and he said, well, you're too short, you got a bad eye, uh, your arm's suspect, bad knee. He goes, maybe you should go to Canada. This is the first words out of his mouth to me. And I'm looking at him, I go, well, why'd you draft me, old man? I said, what is, who's in your scouting department, you know? and. Uh, and then he slides the contract over. And at this time, if you remember, uh, the USFL League was just coming in uh, into being, if you remember that league. And I knew I had a meeting with George Allen, the ex-Redskin coach who was going to coach the Chicago team of the USFL. And I had a meeting with him three days after this meeting with Hallis. So, and as Hallis is sliding the contract over, I just saw one number. And I'm like, you're crazy. I, I rolled it up. I threw it at him. I said, I'm not signing this. And I got up and I walked out. That was my first meeting with, with Papa Bear. So now I go meet with George Allen three days later, and he offered me an awesome deal, part ownership of the team, this and that. And I'm like, George, put this in writing. I'll play for you. But I said, I have a deadline. They told all the rookies that year, they said, if you don't sign by July 15th, you're not eligible to play that year. And that's when I knew the NFL was full of shit because two guys did not sign, or they signed after July 15th, Marcus Allen and Darren Nelson, who was a running back from Stanford. They both signed later, and they got to play. So I, I knew that then that the NFL was just crazy. So, but uh, but George Allen never brought that contract back to me. So I ended up having to sign that wrinkled-up paper I threw at Hallis. <laughs> he couldn't wait to unfold it for me too. He <laughs> so I was not on good terms with the owner right out of the gate. Um, uh, looking back, we were talking on the morning show today. You know that that Bears team. Uh, the great Bears team had, I think, five NFL Hall of Famers on that team, and you throw in Dick at number six. So, just want to run through a few of the, few of the guys on that team, uh, get your thoughts. Obviously, let's let's go ahead and hit that, Matt, if you can. Hit a couple shots here of uh, Mike Dicka. No, let's go back to the other. Let's go back to that. So, your memories of Mike Dicka. What what's what's your thoughts on Coach? We've had him here at the touchdown club. He was outstanding. Uh, I still hear her voices in my head, and a lot of them is his, but. Uh... It was uh, it was an interesting relationship. I would have loved to play with Mike. He was a great football player, uh, great tight end, uh, but that's how he called plays, like a tight end, right? He, he had no idea what the hell he was doing. Um, 
and plus, I wasn't. It wasn't like I was sitting behind a couple Hall of Famers when I got to Chicago. I don't know if you remember the names Bob Avellini and Vince Evans, you know, those household names. <laughs> so he really wanted. He, I think he wanted me to play early, and I wanted to play as well. But uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. Early on, I think we got along okay. But then the the, the further I got into it, and I, I understood that he didn't know what the hell he was doing as as far as calling plays. Uh, you know, like I said, he was a tight end, and that's how he would call plays, like a tight end. He had no rhyme or reason why he would send stuff in and he would get a little pissed off because I wouldn't I wouldn't call the play or I would change it and uh, I said Mike I'm out here trying to win ball games you know I said I don't know what the hell you're just doing you, know, you just you just picking you know plays out of a hat it seems like and uh, I said just put 10 guys in you like leave me alone we'll be fine you know we only got to score 10 10 or 17 points I think if we scored 17 we won like 65 70 games or in a row or something if we got to 17 points so uh, you know those guys get paid too on defense does, yeah. it, does he appreciate you more now out all these years you think well i would hope so because he didn't have it i don't know you know he ruined more quarterbacks than i think he <laughs> he developed i mean it was not a uh, like i said it was the most boring offense i've ever been in, in my life in Chicago, uh, I, I said, "Look, I, I do understand what I'm doing. I, I, I can read a defense. I understand if they're going to blitz me. I got man-to-man coverage." I said, "Why can't I throw the ball to Walter? Then, then hand it up. Why does he have to deal with all this mess? I can get him outside on a linebacker one-on-one. There's not a linebacker in the league that can cover him. And give me credit, I can throw the ball six yards. Come on." <laughs> But he just—he was a little stubborn. He wanted to run the ball, control the clock. And I said, "Why don't we?" He wanted, you know, 10, 12, 15 play drives. And I said, "Why can't we just score in one and go sit down and have a drink?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't—I didn't want to be out there that long. I mean, hell yeah. yeah. Your mouth gets dry. That's why my mouthpiece, my whole career was was leaf tobacco wrapped in bubble gum because it, it kept my mouth juicy. Because when you go on a 12, 15 play drive, you get. It's hard to talk after a while. Your lips wow. start sticking to your teeth. And, uh, I called a lot of timeouts just so I could go get water. I mean, <laughs> call a timeout, and he'd be yelling, bitching at me. i go, hey, I'm thirsty. God damn, I, I've been out there yelling and screaming for a while. I, gotta, I need a drink. <laughs> what about you mentioned uh, the great uh, Walter Payton? Um, got some great pictures. Matt, I don't know if you have more than that, but there's a couple. I love this shot. You talk about iconic. Look at that. Two greats. Uh, Chicago Bears. Yeah, his rear end looks a lot better than mine. I always got pads and stuff all sticking everywhere. <laughs> uh, no, he was a, he was a great teammate, a lot of fun. He was a big prankster, uh, tough, toughest, strongest guy I've ever met in my life. I mean, for for a guy that was about 5'10", 200 and maybe ten pounds, strongest man I've ever met, and uh, just did not like to be tackled. He was just. He made some of the most un- unbelievable runs, you know, 30-yard runs that only gained one or two. You know, he, <laughs> he'd be bouncing from side to side, especially the, you know, 80, 82, 83, my first two years. Our, our O-line sucked. And uh, I don't know how he lasted yeah. six years prior yeah. to that, you know, because once 84 is when we started, our line started gelling. And, and uh, I don't know how he did it as well as he did those six years prior sure. to that. Uh, next shot is uh, 
mentioned earlier, Dan Hampton. Look at this. This is uh, Dan Hampton, you, Jay Hilgenberg, the center, and Mike Singletary. You talk about an impressive-looking group. Let's talk about 99. What do you remember about Dan Hampton, uh, Arkans and Dan Hampton? Oh, yeah, Hamps. He was, uh, what Buddy call him? Big Rook, I think, Buddy was Buddy's nickname for him. But, yeah, he was a big, strong guy. Uh, and like I said, our defense was, was kind of new at the time, so people were having, having trouble uh, figuring it out because Dan was basically a defensive end and tackle sometimes. But when he put him on the nose, I mean, it's hard to see over him. He's 6'6". Yeah. And uh, when he stands up with those pads on, he's he's he's. And, it, and he also was, huge. He also was a guy who, like you, liked to have a good time. I mean, that's right. Oh yeah, Hamp liked his beers. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> uh, you, that's that, a lot of a lot of our guys did. I mean, yeah, that's we, one of the things that we makes, worked hard, but we played hard. Yeah, too. I think that's what makes that 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 '85 team unique. Not only you had some of the greatest players ever to play the game, you guys were unique personalities that just loved to have fun and enjoyed each other. Yeah, we did. We certainly did that. I mean, we worked probably as hard as any any team in the league. Uh, with Mike Dickett and Buddy Ryan, they didn't like each other, and uh, that trickled down to the players. So it every every we basically played four games a week. You know, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday were game days because nothing was, no period was taken off, taken lightly. Uh, you know, Buddy's guys would be yelling, "Hey, Buddy, they're cutting us in practice," and Buddy'd say, "Well, do they cut you in the game? Yeah, deal with it." <laughs> That was that was his uh, answer to everything. Deal with it, and so uh, yeah, it got pretty intense. And then at the end of practice, Dickie had a habit of getting making us get on the goal line and run 110 yard sprints until he got tired of blowing his whistle. And uh, we'd all be on about you know 15 or 20, and Fridge would be on his second or third one. You know. <laughs> Speaking of Fridge, real quick, I mean, uh, from an icon standpoint, I mentioned you obviously a great icon. That dude turned out to be an icon several years. Yeah, that uh, that was quite a circus with the fridge. He was uh, he was a very unique player, uh, as you can see by the the shape. Uh, <laughs> but a guy that was six two, three hundred. When he was three hundred and twenty pounds, he was a hell of an athlete. Yeah, sure was. He was he was quick. Uh, he was actually very very quick for the first five ten yards, and then he'd get pretty tired after that. <laughs> A lot, a lot of folks, Jim and Vass, and I remember, you know, in the Super Bowl, he, he gets to score. Peyton does, Walter Payton does not. I'm sure you've been asked it a thousand times. What's your memory on that? Well, it's unfortunate that, you know, they happen like that. You know, we all thought everybody would have more chances in the second half because we came in at halftime saying, let's put, you know, 100 on them. And uh, Dicka was all for it. And then we were basically taken out in the you know, middle of the third quarter. But Walter had a lot of chances. Uh, I think he carried it 27 times, something like that, in the game. But their fo their whole focus was we stop Walter Payton, we win. And that was a, that was a bad choice because we had a lot of good football players. But, uh, you know, I think we could have gave it to him 100 times. I don't think he would have scored because that was their focus. I mean, they did a good job of stopping Walter, but everybody else had big days because of Walter. I mean, uh, I talked to people all the time. I said, look at the first, I think it was the first play of the second half. We're backed up on our four-yard line, and we run a play-action pass, and it wasn't even a good fake. <laughs> There's six guys chasing Walter, and Willie was running up the middle of the field, and I throw it another yard, he might go 96 for a touchdown. But uh, that's the kind of influence he had on that game. I mean, he was yeah. uh, his greatness was why everybody else had had big days. Part of your persona was the headband. Just wanted to say, sort of, once you realized that could be a a, a nice uh, you know weapon to be able to make. 
your points known. Just talk about the, the origins of that. Well, I, I was wearing a headband since college. Um, the reason I started wearing it is because when you practice, especially in training camp, and you take your helmet off and on as much as you do during the day, it just rips the skin off your head. I mean, you see guys all the time in training camp with big bandages on their foreheads because they have no skin. And that's the only reason I started wearing that stupid thing. And then I figured I could have some fun with it. You know, I got uh, I got fined uh, the first playoff game in 85. I got fined $5,000 for a headband I'd been wearing for two years. So it pissed me off. And uh, I, got, I got a hold of the rule book. I don't know where it came from. It showed up in my locker one day. So I started reading through it, and I figured out they, they shouldn't have been able to find me that first game. And so to have a little fun, the next week I put Pete Rosell's name on there. And uh, I didn't get a fine that week. I got, I got a phone call thanking me for the free advertising. And, uh, and then Adidas wanted me to wear it for the Super Bowl. You know, they offered me $50,000 to wear it. And I'm thinking, all right. In my head, I'm thinking, all right, five grand for the playoff. The most they can going to find me is 25. So I'm thinking I'm going to make money either way, right? <laughs> But then I think after I got a hold of the rule book, I said, no, they can't even find me for this. So I'm going to have some fun. And I decided I'm going to, I ended up wearing all charities during the, during the game. Every, every series I had a new charity on. But all during the pregame, I had the Adidas one on. And the head referees chasing me around the field. I can't let you on the field. I know, I know. <laughs> so then it was the uh, national anthem. There's Walter, myself, head referee. And as soon as the anthem's over, I went to put on my helmet. And he goes, I, I can't let you on the field. I said, I know, but you can't do shit about this. And I pulled it down around my neck. And if you see every picture in the Super Bowl, you can see Adidas clear as day. <laughs> so Adidas was happy. I got my money. I didn't get a fine. Because if they find me for charities, they're going to look like real idiots. So. <laughs> and so uh, I got got great response from all the charities. And uh, the following year in the rule book, a lot more changes. They had a, <laughs> you can't wear this, this, and this, and this. But... I, I said, look, you made a big stink about this. It, it has nothing to do with the game, but I made you look like a fool. <laughs> but, yeah, it was fun. I have to ask you this. I know you've been asked a thousand times. Let's just watch the beginning of this. This is something maybe the greatest part of in NFL history. One of the great parts of NFL history is the Super Bowl shuffle. Let's watch when we get to, uh, to uh, Jim's part here if we can, Matt. Now, this thing won't go away. See, we weren't in this line here. That's right. You don't see Jim there. We're going to jerk that up a little bit, Matt. Even the brothers had trouble with this. You know, look at that. You know, we filmed this thing the day after we lost to Miami on Monday night. Oh, they did. I didn't show up. Walter Payton and I both told them we're not doing this because the deal was we're going to make a record, not a video. <laughs> really still looks like that too. From part of the defense, big and bold. I've been jamming for quite a while, doing what's right and setting the style. 
This was surprising getting Singletary to do this. So. Yeah, I know. So no, up next is you. So did it take you long to prepare for your line here, or you got it? You had it easy. I don't even know what I was saying. <laughs> Yeah, we, we only did our part because we got, uh, they came to us and said they were going to sue us if we didn't do it. Even though it said nothing about a video in the contract. Here we go. So we did this after practice at, in the racquetball court at Hallis Hall. Walter Payton and I did. <laughs> But I did have hair, though. <laughs> How about that? It still lives to this day. Can't get away from it. Just can't get away from it. It will not go away. I mean, everywhere I go, they still bring that thing up. <laughs> but we did get a gold record and a platinum video. So. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess the Dick. I guess he got over it, right? Yeah, pretty easy. It's well, he had his own music video. Oh. He had, I mean, he he endorsed pretty much every product on the market, and. Uh, he got he got a little bit upset at the players. He said, oh, "I don't want to. I don't want you guys doing any more endorsements, this and that, because we had a couple of, I think it was Jay Hilgenberg and Jimbo Covert, got offered to do a chunky soup commercial. Yeah. And Dick has said, "No, you're not doing any more." And then a week later, he was doing the damn commercial. <laughs> so yeah, guys got a little pissed off at that. The arguments always brought up is the '85 team, the you know the greatest team ever, and your response to that is. Well, I'd line up against anybody with those guys. Yeah, I think we we do pretty well. Yeah, I'd say I'd say so too. And, and, and maybe maybe when it comes to personality, the only team I think of that could rival you in terms of personality, maybe some of those Raiders teams. Of the city. they were well, they, they, were, they would definitely rival us. They was fun, right? Oh yeah, it was all in good fun. I mean, back then it was. Uh, you know, football was not a, a big deal to those guys. It was it was almost like a second job. You uh you come at the next picture I want to show before we let you get out of here. I I thought this was uh you and uh, another icon of Chicago. So I love this picture. Oh, yeah. Obviously Michael Jordan there's a young Michael Jordan with the football, you with the basketball, you know. That was before he was a Michael yeah, Jordan. That's right. Uh, that's yeah. right. So the uh, I mean, the town at that point was a Bears town. What do you remember but about Notice Michael how Jordan? little of that football is in his hand. <laughs> And and I'm, I'm yelling, hurry up, snap the picture. I can't, <laughs> I can't hold this thing very much longer. Check. The, of course, the next picture, of course, you had to have your influence on this, and so you got, you got out the glasses. Yeah, MJ was fun to hang around with. Uh, we played a lot of golf together, and um, very competitive guy. He loves, he, he'll gamble on about anything. Uh, go, to, uh, go to 15, Matt. Uh, I want to show this real quick. This is something may, people may not know about. So... You did not get a Billy chance. Clinton. We know Bill. We're all friends of Bill. Now, this remember now, in 1985, when you guys won the Super Bowl, you were not able to go to the White House because of the Correct. Challenger. Correct. The space shuttle blew up a couple days after we won, and so all the focus went there, obviously. But uh, they, they should have been able to sneak us in at some point before we finally did get to go. So this is 11 years after we won, and uh, I, I explained to all my teammates – 
you know, what had happened because a lot of guys I was playing with were in junior high at that time. So they don't, they didn't even remember the space shuttle, I don't think. Right. But, uh, so I explained to everybody why I was going to wear my jersey. And uh, we ended up going with the Bears a few years after this. but uh, Under Obama, because Obama was a big Chicago uh, Bears fan, right? Yeah. And I, I told all my linemen, I said, hey, send me your jersey. I'll hold those up, too, for the team picture. But they didn't want so they just were, to make they that were clear, afraid. Yeah, just to make it clear, he goes with the Green Bay Packers. Who's going? The, the, the Green Bay Packers had won the Super Bowl, but he wears his Bears jersey. And I th there were a few folks that weren't happy about that, right? Well, there was a few. Uh, I think some of the Green Bay Packer fans might have been pissed, but uh, I, had ex I explained to all my teammates what I was doing. You know, I said, we didn't get to go. I'm just going to represent my guys. And um, the only guy that was really upset was Fritz Shermer, who was our defensive coordinator at the time. And I figured it out why, because Fritz was the defensive coordinator with the Rams when we beat their ass to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> So that's brought back some bad memories for Fritz. Sure. Other than that, guys, we're okay with it. Uh, last thing before we let you go. So when you got off the bus, the, the limo van last night, man, I could see you were tired and obviously having to deal with that uh, foot uh, injury. Uh, All right, we got to hit a break here. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, we are just about out of time here. We're up against it. But great stuff with Jimmy McMahon today, an absolute trip. And uh, he was great with us as well. If you missed that interview, it's on all our podcasting sites, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get them. And you can find the links on 1037thebuzz.com and the Buzz app. We'll take a break, come back, wrap it up, 1253.